0: The New York City Football Club has gone six games without a loss. However, the draw at Miami could be difficult. Playoffs, still uncertain. We're going to talk about that on NYCFC Views. Turn up your body. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Podcast.
1: NYCFC Views.
0: Collins approaches the shot. And New York City! wins the first MLS Cup on their first try and they're going crazy.
1: Dinatino, goal! New York City is el campeón de Major League Soccer. The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's gonna be
0: sick. I'm Glenn Crooks. I do the English radio commentary for NYCFC. There's Roberto Abramowitz. He does the Spanish commentary for the same club, NYCFC, and uh, and he also does the uh, the Jets commentary. So in our (laughs) kicking it around segment, I will bring up the Jets because that's just it's my lifelong passion, you know. And uh, if ever I had a better,
1: they didn't have a bad night. I had a better night.
0: Well, if ever a loss, if ever a loss made you feel good, I suppose that was the one. Now, we were involved in a tie in Fort Lauderdale at Dry Pink Stadium that did not have a, a feel good uh, to it when, when the game ended. And uh, we're, we're going to get to Santi Rodriguez's goal. We're going to give up to the goal conceded late in stoppage time. It's a 1-1 final. I, just, uh, Roberto, we've had a, a lot of time to reflect on this now since Saturday night, and I think the thing I was thinking about this morning is that no Lionel Messi, no Jordi Alba. I mean, you've got Noah Allen playing instead of Jordy Alba. I mean, that, I, I just look at it as New York City and how well they played in the first half in particular, just not taking advantage of the opportunity to get three points again. And I think it's something we've seen multiple times this season. I, you know, At the end of the day, if they don't make the playoffs, we're going to have to go back and really look closely at, you know, what where it well, all went so wrong points. Yeah.
1: But uh, you made a great point yesterday after we, we were leaving the stadium and I'm, I'm, well, I'm trying to pack up all my stuff. You finished earlier than I did. So uh, I'm packing up and you made a great point. And the fact was that New York city didn't, you know, lose two points at the end of the game on the Aviles goal, but they really lost the two points. Uh, they, they lost the two points at the beginning of the game because they couldn't put away really good, clear chances that could have made this 1-2, two, two, maybe even 3 nothing in the first 20, 25 minutes of the game. And yeah. they didn't put them away, and at the end of the day, it came back to bite them. So this has been a problem all year long. It, it really has been addressed in a minor fashion by the club throughout the season, which is a problem of not having a really good stud number nine in this league, which we have spoken about in the past about – how any team that has won anything since 2018 on has done it with a, give or take, $10 million striker or above. And so if you're trying to build a championship club, it's one of the linchpins that you need. And this team hasn't had it, and that's really what's cost them more than anything else. We're going to go through a lot of reasons why this team didn't didn't come out with a victory. But when you come back to it, it comes back to the same thing.
0: Chances wasted. Yeah, and it really had this game was uh really symbolic, uh had the uh had the flavor, of how it's gone so often this year, where certainly uh no one would have been shocked if they won by two, maybe even three goals in this one. But the inability to finish and then giving up late goals, uh that's happened numerous times, as you pointed out to me, which I didn't have it have it very clearly uh like you did. But that's the third game where a stoppage time goal by the opponent has been a draw. And that's a, a team that can't close out a game at those moments. Uh, you, you've got to look really closely at that. And it starts with a goalkeeper on out. And there's a lot of things to diagnose. But, I, you know, I I keep going back to Nick Cushing and his staff where I they prepared for five at the back. And they came out in the first 45 minutes and it was, uh, to me, a perfect game plan. The way everything was moving and playing. And, and that ball Perea played across to, to Montsef Bakrar, Andres Pereira, that uh, Bakr couldn't get on frame. It was an open goal. Mm-hmm. And uh, all three of his misses to the left of the post were with his left foot. And you know, a quality striker has to be able to score with both and in the air. Yeah. And uh, we're just not sure where he, uh, where he rates with that yet. But when
1: you look at the opportunities, and this is crazy, right? So if you believe in expected goals, and I know that a lot of the people that watch us do, I don't. But anyway, New York City had 1.5 or 1.47 to be exact. Into Miami, 26. This is in the first half, okay? New York City had seven shots, none of them on target. Four of the shots from inside the box. And this is a frustrating part, is that there were clear chances in front of goal where they just had to touch it in and it wound up going, to the side or whatever and it just didn't uh and it wasn't a shot on goal and the opportunities that were just absolutely wasted by, by the team and the good thing is that they're setting up these opportunities they're creating these opportunities that's great you got to put them away and they didn't put them away and it came back and it bit them in the butt
0: yeah the um expected goals for Bakr uh, alone was 1.27 so uh, you, you could say he should have scored two. He absolutely should have had at least one. And you don't, you don't put the blame, you know, at the feet of one player. But my goodness, I mean, this is when you're the when you're the striker, when you're the talisman. Those are, I mean, the one that Perea played across that He couldn't get in. I mean, honestly, that's a tap in, man. That's a yeah. gimme. That's a layup. And uh, so now it's, you know, now you're nil nil at, at the half. But still, with all that, uh, there's a substitution made where uh, Keaton Parks comes in for Monsef Bakrar in the second half, and Santi Rodriguez roads up to this striker spot. I swear I, I saw him look over to the bench with, like, just a moment of, like, really? But I, maybe not. Maybe I was just making it up. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, this is what he did. This is from the English commentary, Santi Rodriguez making it 1-0 in the uh, 77th minute. Angles to his right, he's in the penalty here, can he get the shot off? He can, and he can score! The striker, Santi Rodriguez, finishes and beats Callender at the front post! He hit it high, he hit it firm, it was an acute angle, and New York City, inside a quarter of an hour remaining, they take the 1-0 lead on Inter-Miami.
1: Well, he's been absolutely magnificent, has Santi Rodriguez working incredibly hard off the ball he's been the one true attacking player who's been willing to attack the defence and here it's terrific it's three against one calendar looks bemused and perplexed and rightly so you should not be able to score from here but give santi rodriguez the credit for attacking the players for shooting on target i always say it force the goalkeeper
0: to make a mistake
1: and he's 100% right, Glenn. And Matty Lawrence absolutely nailed it. And here's the thing. When you look at the replay of the goal, and we can't show it for a variety of reasons, mostly YouTube, but uh, we'll leave it at that. And that's why we only have the audio on. Um it, that that's that's slightly or depending on your wh- whatever level you want to put it on. Drake Calendar has some culpability here because the rule is you don't get beat at your near post. Sandy Rodriguez absolutely drills this, but the but Calendar isn't protecting that near post as closely as he should, and the ball passes between his fingertips and the near post just underneath the crossbar. It's a brilliant strike. He hit it with anger. He hit it very you know with perfect uh precisely pre- with a lot of precision god i can't speak with precision puts it right next to that post but it's a good it's a it's a shot that a, a top keeper in the world has to stop calendar didn't and new york city had themselves a lead
0: yeah and uh give Tavon gray some credit uh you know by putting that ball quickly uh th- in the air accurate i don't know how you saw it roberto and if there was a concern on your end i it there, there was an appearance that Rodriguez was offsides, And I know that uh, the referee, Victor Rivas, waited a moment to, uh, to make certain that uh, Rodriguez was not in an offside position. He didn't go to the monitor. So uh, the video assistant referee uh, obviously decided that, yeah, it was, he was clearly on. And, uh, and he, like we say, he beat a triple team, man. I mean, that's three players got to the angle and got the shot off. So it really was a, a remarkable goal. Uh, for Rodriguez, his first MLS regular season goal since May in a 3-2 loss to Charlotte. So mm-hmm. you know it's. Uh, but of late, Sandy Rodriguez has been. Um, well, he's been their top player uh, in the last few games, and he's really picked up his game at a, at a really, you know, good time for the team. Although again, the playoffs, you know, without getting the, without getting the three points, and and the boy, the momentum was there. You saw Apple TV take the shots of the bench, and you got a good look at just, I mean, it was the, the exhilaration was off the charts. But, so let's talk about what led up to this corner kick. But, let, but, let, I, let, I, let,
1: before you get there, a couple of points that I want to make. So, Sandy Rodriguez, as you said, he's been playing lights out. He really has been fantastic. And he, um, he had two goals in the game against Toronto in League's Cup. So in MLS, it goes back to May, but he did have those two goals against uh, against Toronto FC. Tylus okay. Magno also had a really good first half. And I love the way he played that first half, even though, as it turned out, and I got a chance to speak to him after the game. And thankfully, he's not injured. He was removed at halftime for Ledesma. They're going to try to remove him at the 39th minute. And then they figured that he could finish out the half, and that was a good move by Nick Cushing holding the Desmond until halftime so this way you don't waste a window because when you substitute at the half, that that doesn't count as a window. You have three windows plus halftime to make five substitutions. So if he was able to hold them out, then that gives a more tactical Uh, opportunities to use those uh, three windows to make five changes, or in that case, four changes, because they're going to make one. But uh, I spoke to Tyler Magno after the game, and he said that he had a stomach problem, that he was sick, and that's why he couldn't continue. So there's no injury. So, you know, New York City and their fans don't have to worry about if he's going to be available for the game against D.C. United in any way. That's really good news. And uh, he played well. Again, he played well. He was up and down the field. He was defending in the box. He was doing what he's been doing since he's won back his, st- his place in the starting lineup. He's playing on the left side where he has to play because that's his position. And he's been playing very, very well. And that has helped the New York City FC attack.
0: Yeah. So, uh, well, that's great news that um, hopefully his stomach ailment is uh, recovered in time for D.C. United on Saturday. Um, I would think certain it would be, but yeah, it, it looked like there was something wrong with a, it did look like a, a lower leg injury, but, or an ankle problem, but uh, it wasn't that at all, apparently, since uh, I'm sure he told you the truth. What? In Portuguese, it, so, I don't
1: know if, how my translation for oh, Portuguese maybe, is maybe that's it.
0: Maybe some, the, the stomach. Maybe, and ankle, maybe uh, I said
1: stomach ailment and it's broken ankle. I'm not sure, but it seemed like he was okay.
0: Yeah, no crutches, that's for sure. No crutches at all. But Ledesma comes in. Uh, we thought maybe it would be Fernandez if if there's going to be a substitution based on his previous performance. But I would think maybe Jason on the right, that's where he wants him. Ledesma coming in on the left. Fernandez is not going to be comfortable on the left. He wants him on the right. So I, I'll i ask Nick why Ledesma, um, you know, to, to start the second half. But certainly... Um, you know a, a number of things happened and uh, busquets got into the game more i think in, in the second half and uh miami started to gain control i mean you look at the possession stats by the end of the uh day and and a lot of that possession was in the new york city end as new york city in particular after that goal in the 77th minute roberto trying to just trying to just hold on and this is one of the late game issues maybe i don't know i mean it's it's up for discussion where are they just are they dropped too deep? Are they really just trying to hang on like that with all these numbers behind the ball? Or can you defend with more possession and keep the ball a little bit more? You know, get up the pitch a little bit more. Yeah. Press well, higher the, up- the goal
1: starts because of a mistake by Matt Freeze. All right? Matt Freeze in yeah. goal was fine. But then, uh, in what was it, in the third minute of stoppage time, he gets the ball and he punts it and – Instead of you could play out of the back, you can punt somewhere to midfield, you can punt the ball near the sideline, and if you guy can't get it, it goes out of bounds and it's a throw in. But he pounced it so far that he, on one bounce the ball gets to calendar. Uh-huh. And he grabs it and he immediately distributes it. And then New York City's again back on their heels defending, which is where you, well, you just said it. The best way to defend is keeping, your, the, keeping the ball as far away from your goal as possible, but punting it that way when there's nobody down there for – there was no New York City player that was beyond midfield at that point. Yeah,
0: and he should have been able to see that. Well, i got to give Matty Lawrence, my guy, credit, my, uh, my broadcast partner. He, he really uh, – I was in the middle of describing something, and he threw his arms up, and he was really you know <laughs> dismayed with this punt, And then he went on to describe, he said, the way, you know, the goalkeepers I played with were taught in these positions is punt the ball as high in the air as you can. It'll still travel. It's not going to travel maybe as far, but it's going to get to midfield or a little bit beyond. And then it becomes a challenge for your team. And, you know, the ball's bouncing around a little bit and it's not a situation where they're going to be able to win it and just, you know, go right down your throat again, which is what, uh, what happened with calendar. And then, led to the corner kick and you know it's you have to rewind the tape to that moment where freeze who's had it you know he was ready to have his fifth clean sheet in six games I mean you know he's 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 won the number one job he's been very good for the most part and uh this was a this was a mental gaffe that was a gaff because you're trying to kill the game and you can you know we're going to get to Nick Cushing uh, talking about the seven minutes of stoppage time and not sure where that came from, but we should keep in mind that, and we're going to show. Um, uh, we again, we can't show the full clip of the goal, but we're going to show the moment uh, that it was uh, uh, headed home or just before by Avilas to make it 1-1. But it was the it was the fourth minute of stoppage time when it occurred. You know, the goal. You talked about freeze in the third minute. The goal came in the fourth minute. Yeah, you had seven minutes of stoppage time, but there would have been at least four or five. That's kind of the, the general thing you would have gotten anyway. But let's, let's talk about this because it, it deserves evaluation and it deserves a question of Nick Cushing on Thursday when we go up. It'll be part of, uh, you know, there'll be a presser. Some, somebody might ask there. I'm certainly going to bring it up to him uh, in our exclusive pregame chat that we have every week. So let's, uh, let's put this up, Sammy. And Roberto, uh, I'll let you chime in first on this. This is uh, the corner kick by Robert Taylor. And Avilas is number six. And that's Richie Ledesma to his left. And it, the ball's about to land on the head of Avilas and then get it past to Matt Fries. You can see it's about eight or nine yards out. So it's pretty close to goal. So, all right, Roberto. Okay, so fr- first of all, Aviles is one of the taller players and he's a defender,
1: so he comes up for set pieces for Inter Miami. He's not a forward. So um, what, one of the things that I'm curious about is who, what were the marking assignments on all of this? Because what winds up happening is that you get Richie Ledesma, who basically is trying to push Aviles out of the way. Now, Richard Ledesma has his back to the ball the entire sequence and I looked at this from three different angles on the replays and the entire sequence, Richard Ledesma doesn't, is never facing the ball. So he doesn't know where it's going, where it is. All he's doing is trying to get in the way of Aviles, but he he never, he never jumps with him. As a matter of fact, Aviles almost uses him as leverage to be able to get up in the air and then have a clear header home. Right. But my, but my question is why isn't, for one, the defending's terrible. There's no doubt that that's poor defending. But two, why is it Ledesma that has to be on Aviles? On Av- right, Aviles. Mm-hmm. Why is it him? I mean, it shouldn't be him. It should be somebody else. Well, look, it Roberto. Be, it should be somebody who's a hell of a lot taller. But Roberto,
0: look, let me interrupt for a moment. Just look at the photo. So look who's surrounding where Ledesma is. The four best headers on the field for New York City Burke Risa with the number five. Right beyond uh, Avila is uh, Aviles is uh, Tiago Martins. He's got the captain's armband there. You can see it yellow right in the middle. Then Keaton Parks to the right, and then Andres Pereira. Now Andres Pereira was set up zonally at the front post. Now, th- you know this is a zonal setup uh, by Robert Tugin, who uh, manages the set pieces. But I agree with you. Re- look, Ledesma. I'm five foot four. It's Ledesma is listed at 5'6". six. Not a chance, not a chance he's 5'6. Uh, Avilas is listed as 6'1. He probably is so that alone, but you can still, or even it. if he's 5'11,
1: you're, you're talking about a four or five inch difference, yeah. So, <laughs> because it can't be that they're lying on one and they're not lying on the other,
0: no. <laughs> Come on, so. But but you're right. The fact that um, look and uh, Maddie said it first, and then I heard Danny Higginbottom on the uh, Apple TV telecast, and they both said, and they're both they were both defenders, and they both said the same thing. It's like he's not looking at the ball, and the principle of defending man marking is see the ball, see the player, and then see the space, and that's all the space to your right or left depending on where the ball's coming from. So you have to position your body so all that is happening. And then he would have been able to at least rise. And, and the thing is, Roberto, a free header versus a challenged header, that's a massive difference. You know, a free header, you allow the power, you allow maybe more accuracy. And uh, I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but this right here might be a moment why they don't get to the playoffs. And I'm not, again, if you say that Richard Ledesma is, is at fault, is like the guy, is why they lost the game, that's not what we're saying no. at all. But we'd no, like to know not. what he's what is he thinking about in this defensive assignment? And your question: Why is he on Aviles instead of one of these other good guys in the air? I mean, Martins and Risa were winning the air game all match long on these Yes, they were. So, yes, they were. You know,
1: it was. Uh, and I mean, yeah. and you got Joseph Martinez that's right there as well, and he seems to get away. Who's marking Joseph Martinez? Taman Gray. How does it wind up that? Two guys who are you—you you would think are dangerous in the air. Now, Avilés doesn't have a history of scoring. That's his first goal in his career. Okay, but he's big. He—he's a target because he's one of the bigger guys in the area. Why isn't he being covered by somebody of like height? And then Martinez is right there. So if Avilés doesn't get that goal, uh, Joseph Martinez is going to be—is going to be there. As a matter of fact, uh, on the call of the game, they—they uh, they had said that it was Martinez getting the ball. Um, you know, I was confused at the beginning because the cameras followed Martinez. I thought I didn't know who it was. Well, and Apple I just TV. waited until see... Yeah. I waited to, to see the replay to be able to finally call to see who scored the goal because I wasn't yeah. sure.
0: Um yeah, same, with, same with us. Because I thought I thought Martinez was in the area and I was at oh, the was. other end of the field. So we, we didn't see it quite clearly enough until the replay yes. came. But Apple had it all Martinez. They were following him up the field. But yeah. Martinez, when he scores a goal... You can tell, and so that, there was some confusion for sure. And Aviles- and That's what- why he
1: didn't celebrate it the way he normally celebrates it, because he becomes very stoic, and like, uh, he almost like yeah. snarls at, at, at the fans and uh, goes into a pose, and he, does, and he didn't do any of that, and Aviles left it you know, with his arms raised, and uh, as you would scoring an important goal like that and scoring the first goal of your career. So you would expect him to be excited. That well, he barely, because well, that's, why, City, that's why it was hard
0: know, to see. But just so you, it was hard to see that he scored the goal. I, to be honest, he had no emotion. You might have seen his arm. He, he just jogged back to his position. And no, he, he raised was, his
1: arms and ran back. I, I was looking at, the, I, I looked at that part. And that's why I hesitated because I thought it was Martinez. And then I see him celebrating the way it's celebrating. And then I was like, all right, I'll just keep on holding the goal call until I figure out who the hell scored it. Because I didn't wanna, right. You know, I didn't want to make a mistake. But then, you know, a minute later they come back down the field and Kramowski, Oh my God, he almost wins it for Inter Miami. I mean, they were on their heels. It reminded me of the New England game in the playoffs in twenty twenty one.
0: Yeah. Well, Ruiz. Uh, Ruiz is the one that struck the the shot that went uh, under the bar. Oh, that it was Ruiz. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, but but the
1: Honduran <laughs> international that was Ooh, uh, it has like three names.
0: Yeah. That was yeah right. <laughs> That was uh, that was very close. All right. Well, let's get to the um, uh, let's get to the referee because we're going to play a clip from uh, Nick. Cushing's Before post. we get
1: to the referee, hold on. We got to go back and talk about we, we got to go back and talk about this. Isn't the first time that this happened. This wasn't New York's first rodeo, and they don't seem to learn from their mistakes. So, in Atlanta against uh, against an interim, against a Atlanta United game that they had against ropes for most of the game. They wound up giving a stoppage time goal and they wound up leaving that game with a 2-2 draw when they did, when they had that win in the bank. In Columbus, it was even worse because Columbus had lost Cucho Hernandez with a red card earlier in the game. And so they're playing up a man and they still went all the way back. And then they got caught and they, and they allowed a stoppage time goal and they lost two points there. And then here we go again against Inter Miami. And then there was one more game at home that had happened, according to Scott Churchson, uh, he had posted that that this is the fourth time. I remember the three at home. I don't rather on the road. I don't remember which one it was at home. But um, and if anybody remembers, uh, you know, please tell me. I'll go back and take a look and see which game they allowed they allowed one at home like that. But it's happened there as well, it seems. So. Yeah. They've they got to figure this out. They're not defending these things properly. I mean, there, there's a way to defend these games. There's, there's a way. To me, I mean, I, I still think that if you keep the ball as far away from your own goal as possible, that's the best way to do that. But uh, they, they get pushed back and they get compressed and they suffer. And I, don't, I think that they over-suffer. And I don't know what the solution is as far as not doing that. And not giving the ball and all the initiative to the team that's trying to tie the game, right? Because you don't have somebody who you can depend upon on the counterattack to go and bury a game, which you, know, you try to do sometimes. Where you got somebody who you're going to keep up, who if you send a long ball in, he's going to be able to run behind it, catch it, beat the goalie and score and kill the game. But New York doesn't have that player. I don't think, I mean, maybe it's Martinez and he hasn't had a chance to do that coming off the bench. Maybe it's Julian Fernandez, but he wasn't in the game. So um, you don't know who, you know, who that player is going to be. Let's
0: let's not speculate. Let's ask him on Thursday, everything we can on this, you know, and, and Nick's honest with us. And, you know, it's, I think, uh, I think it's an important question. and, And, you know, some of it is out of his control and how much is in control. I mean, I would be surprised if they don't have uh, a, uh, whether it's a, a, a sheet of paper or I don't know how they do things. I used to have a sheet of paper. End of game tactics, up a goal, tied, down a goal. And our players knew, you know, we would change the shape a certain way. I, I, there's, uh, there's certain considerations. You go back to the freeze moment. Like the goalkeeper's got to know. So when you're trying to kill a game, there's certain things that you do and there's certain things that you don't do. And, um, you have to say they they really don't have um, they don't have a great execution of uh, of killing the game you know and and there's been all too many examples of that. So that's
1: six or six points on the road, eight points total that they've left on the table. How key is that going to be come decision day?
0: Yeah, well, and and just and like you said the other day, you just take one of those games and and give us the points. Yeah, yeah? you know, and but or two. But, um, you know, uh, well, it, it's, it's, it's worthwhile discussion. And, you know, the one thing I know is that um, uh, the game should have been, in my opinion, the game should have been won in the first half. dust you know, done and dusted. Is that the trite phrase? Done and dusted? Yes. And, yeah. and, that's, and
1: that's the key, right? We're concentrating a lot on that set piece goal that New York right. City allows and their, their inability to finish out games that they're winning, especially on the road. But it comes down to what we mentioned at the beginning all the wasted chances that they had at the start of the game that they should have put away and they wouldn't have to be suffering at the end of the game. And that's why this is a team that has one win, seven losses, eight ties on the road.
0: Yeah. And um, well, the Nick Cushing and um, I suppose everyone on the New York city FC side. And I think anyone that saw the replay uh, thought that Dixon Arroyo, uh, it should have been a red card on uh, Andres Pereira just in a nasty, nasty foul. Lucky that there's not a broken leg there, and Perea playing the rest of the game. I mean, this guy is tough. He's so that tough. is a freaking so. So you know, they're uh, at that moment they're feeling a little uh, our New York City hard done by that they're uh, in the second half they're not playing with a man advantage. Uh, thought that that was really obvious, and then uh, Victor Rivas, who we'd have to say had a really, really, really poor outing as a referee. And it started early, Roberto. But let's let's play Nick Cushing's uh, clip here first. Uh, and it, it focuses on initially, and then hear his words clearly, uh, about playing at Inter-Miami, uh, that uh, it, it, it focused on the, the seven minutes of stoppage time that were uh, added at the end of this one. Run that, Sammy, please. I think ultimately... We knew coming in here that we were going to be walking down the MLS red carpet and we probably weren't going to be the invited guests. So um there's many moments in the game that um but I've watched the games. I you know, I watched the game when Peter me spoke after the game. I watched the game when Oscar Pereira spoke after the game, you know. We've all been in these moments, and unfortunately, you know, we get seven minutes at the end that, in my opinion, isn't seven minutes, but you know, those guys are gonna do their job and they've got a job to do today, so they did it. Really? And we knew we'd have to be at our best. I feel sorry for our voice tonight because we we feel a little bit unfairly treated in the sense of there's big moments in the game that 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 never went our way. There's red card, there's seven minutes, there's you know there's many many so many fouls in the game, and I just thought, uh, you know, we experienced what 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 the teams have experienced when they came in. So there's Nick Cushing uh, post game. Uh, the uh, yeah, he said a lot there, and uh, you know he Nick's. Uh, very careful in how he phrases things post game. I think, you know, that's an emotional moment, obviously giving up the late goal and, you know, you're thinking three points and then boom, no longer. And how it happened. I'm sure they looked at it 50 times before he sat down for the post game presser, but it's um, interesting. Let me add
1: one thing. I don't know if you saw it or not, but we were right like below the tunnel where they come in and come out and Nick Cushing, shook hands, and made a beeline straight to the dressing room,
0: which is very rare for him. Yeah, well, he was intimating. Look, there's no way about you, You can read between every line and whatever else you're saying, but he's intimating that um, when teams go to Miami, uh, they're fighting against not just the team they're playing against. And Victor Rivas, uh, I think uh, he showed us that he wasn't prepared to referee this game in a proper fashion. Very early on, Sergi Busquets, who you know Roberto's like my favorite player in the world, uh, and I was looking for, so forward to seeing him, and I you know I enjoyed watching him for the most part, but he he committed four fouls. I you know I should have I don't have it, but it's at least within the first five minutes of the game, and three of them he chopped down Santi Rodriguez. I mean they were bad fouls. Where was the yellow card? It wasn't coming from Rebus because Sergi Busquets was refereeing the game. And this is the problem. And I think this is, you know, Nick didn't refer to that. But to me, that was the biggest issue. That was the biggest issue with the referee is that he's letting Sergi Busquets call the game in in as many words, you know. Well, here's a funny
1: thing. Inter-Miami winds up with six yellow cards in the game. And none of them were to Busquets. And Busquets needed to be yellow-carded after the third foul, which is in the first five minutes of the game. He wound up with four fouls total. And uh, and they were hard fouls. They weren't just like little push fouls or – no. They, they were hard fouls. And there is no reason. He had to put a stop to that immediately. You know, no verbal warnings. No, in the next one we're going to hey, get you. you. You're right. Hey, all you have to do is do one, two, three. Bang. He had <laughs> like, to.
0: Like every he referee. He had to. But no verbal just warning. In fouling. He didn't he didn't look at him You're right, no verbal warning. There wasn't he never spoke to him about it. And Busquets was in Rivas' face quite a bit on some other calls that were made. And uh so that's and he, and he's the holding midfielder. He's the number six where if you're booked five minutes into a game, that affects the way you play the next eighty five plus hour many Stoppage time. Uh, unless so, you're
1: Busquets and then you're like, yeah, he's never giving me a second one.
0: So that's, that's where I, you know, have a big problem. And I do want to say this, Roberto, uh, that I, despite the fact that Rivas was, was really poor, I mean, I don't know how many varies I used last time I described it, but he was very poor. He really had a rough night and 17 fouls total for Miami. So he's, you know, he's whistling some of them. Uh, he, well, despite, them that, them. despite that, despite the fact there should have been a red card, despite the fact that we're seven minutes of stoppage time, New York city controlled the destiny of this match and they did not execute. So you could, to me, I don't even want to talk about it. I know we're talking about it because it you know, yeah. deserves to be observed and evaluated, but the referee at the end of the day had nothing. And I mean, nothing to do with the outcome of this game in my opinion, because New York City controlled it and they didn't execute at the moments necessary. So it's hard to – Rivas was not good, but it's hard to blame him in any manner for the outcome of the match. I'm sorry, I can't do it. No, anyway. Neither can I.
1: I, I'm not, I, I don't – I wasn't even going to bring it up. I wasn't going to even bring up how, how poor he was or not poor – uh, because to me Very it doesn't course. affect the game. Yeah, I, I I get that, but it doesn't affect the game. Yes, I was really bothered by the fact that he didn't show Busquets a yellow card early because I thought it was deserved, and I think that it was important to do that, especially in a game which could, which could possibly wind up getting out of hand because of all the emotions that are going on and both teams desperately needing the points, the right. the, the foul on Perea. I thought uh, that that should have been – more carefully looked at, and uh, maybe a, a red card should have been issued there. And the fact that it wasn't was bothersome as well. But I'm not, this isn't a game where I'm saying, well, this is because of the referee and because of the seven minutes and because of all. No, no. This is a game that New York City had. New York City didn't put away early, and New York City paid the consequences at the end of the game for their failures across 97 minutes, not because of what happened in the last
0: seven minutes. All right. Well, so uh, now the big game uh, at D.C. United. Would have been a would have been a huge match anyway. Uh, there's nothing given at this point with so many teams involved to try to make it into the 8-9 position in the Eastern Conference. And uh, how about the West? One team is clinched. Yes. <laughs> I mean, what's going on there? Uh, that that uh, is
1: fantastic. Wait, are we kicking it around already? Not yet.
0: Yeah. Not yet. Uh, I just wanted to close by saying that there's a match coming right. up again. So you Real I- Salt
1: Lake, here's this. So Real Salt Lake has 46 points, and they're in second place, okay? And the, and Sporting Kansas City has 38 points, and they're in 10th place. So <laughs> we're talking about eight points difference between second and 10th, and 11th if you want to include Minnesota. Now, if you're looking at FC Dallas, which right now is a team in ninth place, okay, they have 41 points. And LAFC, which rather the LA Galaxy, which has, which is in 13th place, all right, and has played only 30 games, they have 35. The West is wild. Maybe you've heard that at some other occasion under some well, different funny. circumstances and pretenses. Uh, it's wild. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, hey, if you're going to have you know basically 90% of your league make the make the playoffs, at least it, I mean now. of the league has a chance to make the playoffs, So you're keeping all the fan bases involved.
0: All right. Even the ones
1: that got screwed starting next year in Miami.
0: Well, it may be wild, but is it sick? You know, it's a sick podcast. All right, let's kick it around. This is why you shouldn't do this. Let's Let's kick it around. So you're a big Spurs fan, right, Roberto?
1: Well, something like that. All right. It de- it depends on how much masochism I'm feeling that day. All right. Well, well, well you know they they've won some crazy games so far this well, year. Well, I'm
0: bringing I'm bringing one of them up right now, uh, and it involves a video assistant referee. How about that? Uh, so Spurs Liverpool on the weekend, and Liverpool's down a man, and Luis Diaz scores a great goal on a service from Salah. And it was ruled offside. And, it, and oh, no, no video review. Like, the, the, there, was, there was a very quick decision. Howard Webb the next day said the following. <laughs> we acknowledge a significant human error occurring during the first half of Tottenham Hotspur versus Liverpool. The goal by Diaz was disallowed for offside by the on-field team of match officials. This was a clear and obvious factual error (laughs) and should have resulted in the goal being awarded through VAR intervention. However, the VAR failed to intervene. Hence, the VAR is suspended. But uh, how about that?
1: Yeah. um, Clear goal, by the way.
0: Yeah, Christina
1: Uncle had a good take on this, uh, which was that and I'm going to I'm going to read it here says we need more refs and if and if the take is no matter the monies, it's not worth it for family security when football organizations be proactive and invest in fixing a reason referee death pool isn't big from youth to the pro levels. So what she's saying is that we need more referees because what had happened was that the referee the, the VAR that was in charge of that game uh had just done like a VAR event, like forty-eight hours earlier, somewhere. I think it was in United Emirates or or somewhere around there. So, you know, they might have been tired, and they're just. It seems that there isn't just enough people, you know, doing these things. And when you're not mentally sharp because you're tired, so uh, then it becomes a problem.
0: What do you so, mean? Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean by a VAR event? You said uh, they,
1: they did a game. They did VAR in a game somewhere in, in, oh, okay. uh, in East Asia. I or thought you might've like been that. a conference. And so something. they, okay. you know, they've got to travel all, all, all over the place. So, um,
0: well, it's not just VARs, Roberto. I think the Victor Rivas, just to go back to him, it's a perfect example. I think if you look at MLS, the level of MLS on field, uh, you can agree or disagree with this, but at the time I've been really watching it closely and that's, since the first kick of New York City, the, the, the league is getting better. Its on-field product is getting better. Coaching is getting better. I mean, I, I, I see a lot of progress. The referees, they're not getting better. And if anything, it, it might be going in uh, the other direction. And it is a problem. Look, that's a problem on the youth level in the States. That's a problem. I mean, talking about referees and the lack of them and the, and the limited number of quality referees, That's been a topic for about five years. And then the the pandemic hit, and now it's – I mean, there are youth games that are canceled, Roberto, because they can't find referees. They don't have enough. They don't have enough referees. Whether they're good or not, they don't have enough.
1: And and that's a huge issue. So uh, Martin Ziegler of the Times uh, had written that Darren England and Dan Cook, who were the VARs in the Liverpool uh, offside mistake – had traveled to UAE to be officials in a match there 48 hours before the Liverpool Spurs game. So possible fatigue, mental fatigue, is there. I mean, you, you don't need to be physically exhausted, but you could definitely be mentally exhausted. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure on these games, especially in the, in, in the Premier League. And you're watching and you're intently watching and you you can make, you can make mistakes. The thing that's really crazy is that they have the... They have the technology to draw lines and everything, which which MLS doesn't want to use because they don't have enough cameras in stadiums to make that technology viable. And also, I think it's good that the fact that what they do in MLS is that once a referee makes a call, you got to go find indisputable evidence that they've made a mistake. And if you can't find that indisputable evidence, then you let the you let the call stand uh, uh, from what the the central referee called okay, so v a r doesn't find all right here's a smoking gun, you are absolutely wrong then we we allow the referee to continue with whatever his call was, so unless they see a massive mistake where they absolutely see that there's that, that there is a mistake and the referee then goes to the monitor and sees it or just takes a word that there's a mistake, then uh they should just yeah. let the call stand
0: yeah v a r should
1: help you. Correct really bad calls as opposed to millimetrical calls.
0: All right, Which in England a, is what they do. Yeah, let me get one more thing in here. Um, the Red Bulls, Sac Republic, and NYCFC Red Bulls making headlines. Julian Zakrzewski. I, I forgive the Zakrzewski family if I'm pronouncing that wrong. <laughs> Hall, he's got three names. I hope we could just call him Julian Hall, anyway. 15 years, 190 days, became the second youngest player to appear in an MLS match. He came in the uh, 81st minute in the one they lost to Chicago at Red Bull Arena. He still trails Freddie Adu as the youngest to play in an MLS match. Then you have Davion Kimbrough with Sac Republic. That's at the USL Championship. 13 years old and 215 days, and he became the youngest U.S. soccer player to make a professional debut and also signed as a youngest player. The previous youngest player signed to a professional contract in the States was Maximo Carrizo, who uh, signed a homegrown deal with New York City FC. He has not played in a first-team game. He's been uh, just with uh, MLS Next Pro. and the Where NYC- he starts, by the way. The, the, the two-team, right. and yes, he
1: for And he was a starter for NYC FC throughout most of preseason. I mean, we kept right. on seeing his name as a starting number 10 for New York City FC, and then he's played a lot of games for the U-17s in Argentina. Uh, he was called into a U-17 camp for the United States. He attended, didn't seem to get the minutes that uh, the Carrizo family expected, and they pulled him out, well, which is he, uh, a little One thing I noted,
0: um, watching him at training – so now these two players – He's uh, he's he's been at training before, but now there uh, several of them are, including M.D. Myers. Everybody's wondering if M.D. Myers is at training now. Yes, he is. He's training with the first team now. The the N.Y.C.F.C. Two team has uh, has uh, been eliminated from any playoff consideration. And he uh, and he was the leading. He got the golden boot or the cold Golden Boot, which was well, we went over that last time. So he he's yeah. the Golden Boot winner. The he had the most. He had the most goal creation, uh, goal, uh, goals and assists, goals plus assists, in MLS Next Pro. He tied with the goals with 19 and then had more assists than the other two guys, but he's the co-golder. Anyway, he's there. They're uh, not encouraging team play. So the, my point on the Carrizo thing, which I got lost on my own diatribe, yes. uh, is he is bigger – Physically, I believe, and I've seen Micah Ilinich his body change over the last nine months. And um, when talking to Nick Cushing about that, he just said, this performance team here. He said, you know, you can say what you want about us developing players, but if you want to make somebody stronger, send them to New York City FC. Because he said, these guys are like, they're, they're ridiculous in what they do. And Ilanich is a perfect example. And he hasn't lost any of his agility. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him you know, it's uh, some. I don't know how he's going to sift in there. I don't with with Tavon Gray. You know, a much better. Yeah, defender. Tavon is
1: locked on that position, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, for now it seems. And uh, but Carissa, that's the the point is he had to grow to be in the midfield, grow physically, and he is. Uh, you could just see it. You know, his overall frame is just uh, that much more solid. So I'm I'm uh, I'm glad we. Can I mean, mention my son that.
1: grew from like five three to five ten, five eleven. Between 13 and 16 years old. I mean, Carrizo could wind up being a six footer. Who the hell knows? You never know. I mean, he's only, what, 15 years old now. Yeah. Uh, and Eddie continues to do this to me. You know, the uh, Matt Miasga, Diego Linus thing all the time.
0: So, New Jersey, Meanwhile, I get to. So,
1: yeah, he does that to me, and I get to tell him, by the way, there's a 13 year old playing professionally in. In Sacramento, what are you doing to 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 support our family?
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So, NewJersey.com to really close this thing, I do have to bring up the Jets. But NewJersey.com is some of my source of New Jersey information, sports information, news, whatever. I like to keep up on things. So, um, you know, their sports stuff is good. There were I couldn't find a game story on the Jets Chiefs. All I could find three stories, three. On uh, Taylor Swift at MetLife yes. Stadium. I'm looking for the write up of the game, so I opened one of them, and apparently Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds were the people sitting next to her at the game, and uh, Ryan Reynolds, in between his uh, you know chores as the Wrexham co-owner. So um, yeah, so that was that was the story. But the real story was, as a long time since 1964 Jets fan, that's me. Uh, that I sat and watched the game last night after we got home from uh, the journey uh, in Miami. And I, I, I sat down <laughs> and it's 17 to nothing. And I'm like, oh, my, it's another game. I'm not going to be able to watch the whole game. Gosh. And it turned on a dime. And the dime was a safety. And, yeah. you know, and there it went. And it um, was by Bryce Hoff. Yeah. So Roberto was on the call last night on the commentary on the Spanish side of things. And uh, so, Roberto, I was impressed with my team. How about you?
1: Uh, It was a feel-good loss, if there's such a thing. And here's the thing. There was so much pressure during the week for all the chatter, all the talk, all the noise about Zach Wilson. Now, we know Zach Wilson is a quarterback that has issues that has a lot of potential he's got all the tools to be physical tools to become a a really really good quarterback which is the reason why the jets traded up to get him with the second pick of the draft uh, a couple of years ago back in 2021 he's got all that he's got all the talent you know but mentally is where he needs to mature to be able to make good decisions and they also have to put him in good positions to be able to make plays so i thought that nathaniel hackett and robert Uh, Robert Sala, sorry, uh, did that in this game. And even though the Jets didn't get a first down, or they got one first down in the first two series, I like the way that they were calling the game and that they were doing rollouts. And in the first series, they threw the ball three times because everybody's expecting him to run to protect the quarterback. But they didn't. They opened up the game for him in many ways that they hadn't done in the past, and they used to his strengths. So he was rolling out right, he was rolling out left, he was hard to tackle, he wasn't a sitting target over there under pressure, and so I thought that that was very, very good about what they did. So when it was 17 nothing, right, to me it was more on the defense, because the defense, which is an elite defense, and if you want to call yourselves an elite shutdown defense for the Jets, all right, then you can't allow the Kansas City Chiefs to score 13, 30- to score 17 points on three uh, on three consecutive series, the first three series of the game, and put an offense that is under fire under that much pressure, you can't do that. So that was on the defense. But then the defense reacted in the fourth series by wait, by being able to by getting Taylor to commit a foul in the end zone on on Bryce Huff, and that is and that is a
0: and that is a safety I mean that,
1: and that turned the game.
0: It did, and. It, uh, you know, and just in athletics, and by the way, uh, as a, uh, the sick podcast has a number of NFL podcasts, so we're uh, we're uh, we're uh, adding to I'm the in uh, here. we're from soccer day, to NFL, we're gonna do a little jets thing here. We're but, we a uh, little jets here because, a we can, more, because a you want to the side, but just from a sport, just from a sport, if I were watching this game just and not even supporting either side, I it was it was really a remarkable turnaround, especially for Wilson. Who, I, you like the schemes better. They got him out of the pocket. I, I understand exactly what you're saying. By the way, Chris Collinsworth, I'm, I i would listen to you, Roberta, if I, if I could speak Spanish and understand Spanish. I'm sorry. But Chris Collinsworth, he is – is there a better analyst? I mean, he had everything. He saw everything before it happened. I mean, I hear about Tony Romo all the time. Who's better than this dude? But he really had a bead on what was going well, and he really felt that Aaron Rodgers – some of that has finally seeped into Zach Wilson. The way he played, like those uh, back shoulder throws that they talk about in the NFL all the time. Oh, he
1: was perfect on those. And that's what was great to see, is that a lot of these completions, he had one to Conklin down the right side. He had the touchdown to Lazard. Both of those balls were perfectly placed. They were yeah. placed away from where the defender is and only where the receiver could make a catch. Those are key throws where he has not made them. Right? Because it's so important in the NFL. Anybody can hit like somewhere where the guy is, but you need to know when to lead a receiver. You need to know when to throw back shoulder. You need to know where to throw away from the defender where only the receiver has it. And he did it all last night. Here's something that I didn't realize at the moment, although from the second quarter on, I was talking about it during our broadcast that we have on the Jets app, by the way, and the ESPN 90, what is it, 98.7 app. ESPN New York app that Clemson Smith and I do in Spanish. And this is something that I was saying, and I was like, you know that right now Zach Wilson has more touchdown passes and he has more yards than Patrick Mahomes. <clears throat> and that held throughout the game, right, throughout the game. And here's something that I didn't realize until this morning, and I'll give credit to Stats who put this together and said, Zach Wilson – is the only opposing quarterback to have more completions, passing yards, and touchdown passes, and fewer interceptions than Patrick Mahomes in a Mahomes start, college or pro, 127 total starts, including postseason. That is an amazing stat
0: yep, against sure the best quarterback That's in the NFL. Too. And so Zach I'm- Wilson...
1: Has how many games has Mahomes?
0: How many? How many Mahomes has played over what? 80 games in the NFL? Uh,
1: I, I don't have the exact number on me. I'm sorry. Well, so a lot of these stats after I'm done with the game. I think, you, I, I, think we were, I think when we were. I think when we
0: were. I think when we were waiting for the plane yesterday at the airport. I think you said 80 something. Anyway. So Roberto, that's uh, that's great. So Sammy, our producer. See, we could if you want us to do a, a Jets podcast. You know, we're we're all there for you. <laughs> But uh, this is NYC FC Views. I also want to say, uh, give a shout-out to Tony Marinaro, who uh, does a podcast here. He's a he's a big member of the SICK podcast team, uh, does a great one. And we he was uh, had his son and his wife at the, the non-messy game against New York City FC, uh, brought him down uh, for that from Montreal. So it was nice having breakfast with him and uh, wish him all the best as well. So, Roberto, uh, so we will... Tentatively be on after training on Thursday, if we can make that work, that would be good. Yeah. and we could kind of report on that, and then we'll set up the the weekend's game at DC. So, for Roberto Abramowitz, I'm Glenn Crooks. It's been nice to uh, chat with you all, and uh, talk to you again soon. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time.
1: Follow the sick podcast, NYCFC Views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.